0: Welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast, and man, what a difference a few days makes for the East Carolina basketball program. I am the host, Steven Igo, of Hoist the Colors, publisher of hoistthecolors.net. We are diving into some basketball talk, our first basketball podcast in a while. It is kind of a slow time for football. They are having some ongoing recruiting visits, Um, so we got some recruiting info up on the site. But just wanted to kind of dive into Tuesday night's Disappointing loss to UCF Uh, We'll take a brief look back At the win on Saturday Over Memphis as well Uh, More or less talk about that And how maybe Tuesday was a missed Opportunity as a result Of Saturday's win Even though it was a great win And we'll take a brief look ahead to This coming Saturday's difficult trip To face the Houston Cougars Who are ranked in the top 10 nationally And you know i feel for the players the coaching staff and really you know ecu fans as a whole this basketball program has been snake bit for so long we've talked about it so much and it really felt like last night was the opportunity to really have a chance to sustain momentum if you win the game against central florida You know, It it almost doesn't really matter even what happens on this road trip as ECU goes to Houston, Memphis, and they come back to face Cincinnati at home. One of the toughest stretches on the schedule we knew going into this stretch, starting with the, uh, the road game at Temple, that it was going to be a very difficult stretch. You go at Temple, at Cincinnati, Memphis at home, UCF at home, which was preseason one of the top teams in the league, and then two more road games at houston at memphis i mean that is a brutal stretch and then you come back with cincinnati at home as well you won't find a tougher stretch in the american conference for team, and so we knew this was going to be a tough stretch you get the big win over memphis a lot of momentum a lot of hype on social media and being in minji's coliseum last night you know the crowd i think was around 4100 yeah 4167 was the official attendance students turned out incredibly well again uh decent turnout up top By the alumni for the midweek game, and the place was just buzzing. The first half was was like peak ECU basketball. Although you know we've seen it full, where it's even a better atmosphere. But you know the team was just playing with a ton of momentum, hitting a bunch of shots, getting some steals, playing in transition. The place was it was awesome, man. It was was a great first half of basketball to watch. ECU takes a forty-four to twenty-eight lead into the locker room. And it just felt like the team was destined to finish that game. And, you know, we'll get into some of the issues as far as what are the problems closing out games. This has unfortunately become a trend for the CCU basketball team, but not like anything we saw last night. I mean, they had given away a couple of double digit leads against Liberty, uh, also against Davidson in neutral site games. At Temple, they led by a good amount before seeing Temple come back and win. But, I mean, we're talking about a 20-point lead early in the second half. UCF, at the time, you know, you looking back at it, they were falling apart. You know, C.J. Walker, their forward, former five-star recruit, Oregon transfer, he was throwing chairs on the sideline, getting mad at his teammates, getting into it with the fans. And it just seemed like UCF was unraveling. Johnny Dawkins was barely even talking in the timeouts. He was just asking his guys, what are, what are we doing? This isn't basketball. They were coming off of, quite honestly, a – Pretty pathetic showing against South Florida, which is not a good basketball team this year. So you felt like coming into the game there was a chance UCF would bounce back, and then they have another horrendous half. And it just felt like ECU was destined to to get a win, to, to get that breakthrough moment. We've seen ECU have standalone great wins. A couple years ago they beat SMU on Tristan Newton's game winner and then followed that up with uh, a loss and that has unfortunately become a theme. Last year, you beat Houston, and they didn't win again the rest of the season. Uh, several great wins before Dooley got here were followed with losses. It's been, it's been an ongoing theme. This program, this team, ECU basketball has struggled to maintain consistency momentum. And I remember that Dooley's second year, you know, not only did they, his first year, they beat Cincinnati and then didn't follow that up with a win. Uh, his second year, they beat SMU. The place was it was a great crowd. A ton of buzz going into the next home game against Tulsa. And they played one of their worst games of the year. And it kind of unraveled from there. Well, this one, you actually played a really good first half. And and honestly, the start of the second half was good as well. Uh, the Pirates scored the first two buckets. I believe the stretcher lead to 20. UCF takes another timeout. And for whatever reason, things just fell apart from there. UCF, to their credit, you know, we as people who cover you know i cover ecu i deal with ecu fans i don't deal with UCF fans but we all we do have to remember just like when ecu came back against memphis you know part of that is a great comeback part of it is a collapse you know you have to have two sides of every story you got to give UCF credit for finding their shooting from seemingly out of nowhere they went two of 20 from three-point range at south florida they are a streaky three-point shooting team when they're going good Like when they beat Miami on the road earlier this year when they crushed Michigan at home they have some very quality wins on their resume when they're going good they're hitting their threes and in the first half they weren't really hitting threes four of 14 from three-point range in the first half but then the second half they missed their first two threes and then they did not miss essentially they missed three times but In 14 attempts, they hit 11 three-pointers, several of which came way beyond the arc, uh, and they just got red hot, and they got confidence, and ECU started to play tight. The last 10 minutes for ECU offensively, it was basically just dribble the ball around the perimeter, and then with 10 seconds on the shot clock, give it to Tristan Newton, let him try to ISO somebody or pass it to someone at the end of the shot clock. The offense in the last 10 minutes was downright abysmal. ECU scored six points in the last 10 minutes of regulation, and they look like they just don't know how to play with the lead it was disappointing um and part of that is yeah your your coaching staff is probably telling you hey let's take the air out of the ball because UCF at the time was pressing they're trying to get you sped up they're trying to get you to take early shots they're trying to get you to turn the ball over well ECU did turn it over 22 times which is uh, around the most this season don't have the official stat on that but you had turnover issues and then in the final 10 minutes really you didn't have a ton of just as far as you know you didn't have a ton of backbreaking turnovers there was a couple but you had a ton of empty possessions that just accomplished nothing got no flow going whereas ucf just continued to make shots um so again part of this was ucf part of this was ecu ucf's a very good basketball team ecu I think we all believe it has a chance to be a good basketball team. And I think they're a decent basketball team. The inability to consistently defend and in some of these games against conference competition, the you know that five to 10 minute draw spell they hit offensively every game. We've yet to see this team play a complete game. And so that's what's the most frustrating thing about it as we look back at this UCF game. And then now you just... You shake your head at what could have been. You could have had two wins in a row. You could be 12-5, and 3-2 and two in conference. You could go on the road to Houston and Memphis, lose both those games, and still have some pretty good momentum, a pretty good crowd, coming back home to face Cincinnati and, I believe, Temple after that, which would represent two winnable home games in a row. Instead, they find a way to... to quite frankly, collapse in the second half, UCF starts hitting shots left and right. And overtime was really a, it was almost a no contest. You know, Mahan for UCF hit a three, uh, scored on a drive, hit another three. And, and the, the the frustrating thing for ECU is, you know, it's one thing if they're making contested threes, but there was just too many instances where ECU's defense, defense just sagged off or didn't, uh, play things properly off the screen. You know, even the game-tying three at the end of regulation, Darius Perry comes off the screen and is left wide open for a three-point range, a three-point shot at the top of the key. You're up three. It's UCF's last possession, and you give a 40% three-point shooter a wide-open three at the top of the key. I mean, that's just inexcusable. And in overtime, they sagged off Mayhan a few times. He's got a quick release. He was red hot. I, I just... You know, it's frustrating, and I'm sure the coaches are, and the players are looking at the film, kind of shaking their heads. You know, after they hit five or six threes in the second half, your philosophy, philosophy has to go from, all right, let's, you know, maybe we sag off from the three point line a little bit, and if they get hot, we change our defense. But it just felt like ECU never really made that emphasis to chase them off the line and make, make UCF beat the Pirates in other ways. And that's what's most frustrating. You can live with guys making contested threes from way out there. And Darius Johnson, number zero for UCF, made a couple of you know NBA range beyond three-pointers. So you live with that. But when they're getting wide-open threes on the baseline or getting wide-open threes at the top of the key off a simple screen where there's a miscommunication, that, that just can't happen when the game is on the line. UCF finishes the game 15 of 30 from three-point range 50% Beyond the arc, they scored 92 points total. he yeah, a little bit bloated there, with 20 points in overtime due to just ECU fouling so much to try and extend the game. But 44 points given up by East Carolina in the second half. And Joe Dooley said it best after the game: "You can't give up that many points in the second half in your building, especially with a great crowd on hand." And that's the most frustrating part. Having covered this program for so long is people want ECU basketball to be relevant so much to be respected at least somewhat in the American Athletic Conference so much that it's just frustrating to see the guys not capitalize on these opportunities you just don't get that many opportunities annually each year with a program that has struggled you know fans are going to show up after a big win like Memphis they want to see what all the you know hubbubs about. You get the opportunity against UCF, you play a great first half, and then it falls apart. And that, that's just what's most disappointing. You know, you're know, you going to lose, potentially, uh, some of those fans. Now, if you go on the road and you beat a Houston or Memphis, obviously we're having a different conversation, but you know, there's a very real possibility you lose those two games and you're 2-5 and five in conference, 11-8 overall. And the, the Americans are just tough, and losses can happen in bunches in this league. So when you have an opportunity to put a pretty good UCF team away on your home floor, you have to get it done. And that's what's most disappointing looking back at this game. So it's a tough one to swallow. It's a good thing, in my opinion, this is a Tuesday game with a Saturday turnaround and not a Wednesday game because you really need at least 24 hours to just kind of digest this one because the guys were shell-shocked, fans were shell-shocked kind of after this thing transpired. The good news is a lot of learning points in this game. You know, you can't just take the air out of the ball with 10 minutes left against a team that can shoot the ball at UCF. You know, inability to consistently beat the press, get into your offense against that type of pressure defense. A lot of learning moments there. Uh, And so you have some learning moments, but at some point you have to actually learn. I mean, like we talked about earlier, this is the fourth time this year ECU has blown a double-digit lead against quality competition. And they've yet to put a complete game together all year. And we're now more than halfway through the season. And you start to wonder, will they put a complete game together all year? And that's a fair question. So um, I think this team is undoubtedly more competitive, more athletic, deeper than many ECU teams you've seen in the past. They have a lot more options. I mean, hell, you're, you're, one of your best players, Vance Jackson, last night took two shots. And ECU still probably should have won the game, still put up 85 points. And so, you've got a lot more options, a lot more contributors, and a lot more talent. ECU, for the first time in a while, I thought, looked just as talented, if not more talented, at some spots than UCF, which recruits at a very high level in basketball, and Johnny Dawkins has done a nice job kind of building that roster. But, you know, at some point, you have to start winning these games. At some point, you have to start winning that game at Temple. You have to start winning that game versus Davidson you can't give away these wins because there are going to be games where ECU just doesn't play well offensively. And with the way they play defense and rebound, it's just going to be tough to win those games. So uh, these are the games you have to win. That's what makes it so frustrating. Joe Dooley said it after the game. He said it at Temple. He said it after Davidson. At some point we have to start winning these games. Uh, I know he sounds like a broken record, but it's the truth. And so ECU right now, 11-6 11-6 and six on the season. I want to talk about some of the individual performances yesterday. Tristan Newton, 39 minutes of game action, 27 points, but seven turnovers. And he just did not look comfortable throwing the ball against pressure a ton. Uh, Tremont Robinson-White scored seven, and had five assists, but he also had five turnovers. So you had 12 turnovers from your point guards. Uh, Alonzo Frank played one of his best games as a Pirate. 34 minutes, which is a lot for the big man. 16 points, 4 boards, 3 assists. Um, Tremont had a beautiful pass to him on the pick and roll for a dunk late. That was a crucial bucket. Uh, We talked about Vance Jackson. And the unfortunate news that I wanted to hit on, Brandon Suggs' injury. 21 minutes for Brandon. And after hitting the game when he shot at Memphis, I really thought... Brandon looked like a different guy he was playing with confidence he was pushing the ball he was driving to the rim he had an awesome dunk in traffic in transition one of the more aggressive plays I've seen Brandon make and all of a sudden early in the second half he goes down and kind of a freak deal where he gets twisted up with somebody has a lower leg ankle injury uh, we don't know at this time what the status of that is but that ended up being a big loss He had seven points at the time, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, no turnovers. He was playing one of his best all-around games of the season. And to lose him, it kind of felt like the air went out of the building. ECU was up 19 at the time, and UCF obviously outscored them by 19 the rest of the way in regulation, and then dominated overtime. I thought ECU really missed his length, his athleticism, uh, defending the three-point line late in the game. So... Uh, but, you know, you can't you can't blame losing the game on one of your players going out. Uh, ECU was shorthanded as well with J.J. Miles missing another game due to his own ankle injury. But I thought R.J. Felton came off the bench and played pretty well. You know, 14 points in 27 minutes, 5 of 9 from the field, a uh, couple big rebounds, one assist, just two turnovers, one steal, so... You know, RJ is going to get some more time. Javon Small is going to get some more time. If Suggs misses, continues to miss some time along with JJ. You know, I've heard JJ could be a go for the Houston game, but it's to be determined. We don't know what Brandon's injury is. It did not look particularly good, That the fact that he had to get helped off the court and taken straight to the locker room without putting any weight on his leg. But that could be a potential significant loss, especially with JJ also banged up. So ECU getting a little shorthanded on the perimeter we'll continue to keep an eye on that so man it's just it's still kind of hard to process what exactly happened in that game how quickly it turned and it was the complete opposite of the Saturday game versus Memphis you know ECU trailed Memphis by 19 granted that was in the first half came all the way back Vance Jackson hit a big three late and then obviously uh, Brandon Suggs with the game winner off the backboard to get the Pirates their first win over Memphis uh, in a handful of years and one of their biggest wins in recent memory but the ultimate high of that game fans rushing to court um, everybody excited about the program to really the ultimate low just a few days later as you give up a 20 point lead to UCF and that, that's what makes sports great and so painful at the same time you know as, as fans we love these moments when our teams are on the right side of them but when it happens the opposite way it's so deflating uh, but that's why we love it it's it's a tough pill to swallow for ECU I still think this program is moving in the right direction I, I feel like Joe Dooley finally has a roster that is capable of competing night in night out in the American we hope that guys like Suggs, like J.J. Miles, aren't out for too long because you know you you can only sustain so many injuries. And you know some if you're a team like ECU, if you're a team like Houston that gets a ton of talent, and a team like Memphis that gets a ton of talent, it is a little bit more manageable. But ECU needs its bullets; they need all their bullets in the chamber to compete in this league. So hopefully, Suggs and J.J. don't miss too much time uh, going forward. But Really deflating loss on Tuesday. It's a shame for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. But uh, I tell you what, let's try to move on. We'll dive into some of your questions. I know a lot of you guys probably have specific questions about this game. But let's dive into your questions uh, from the Hoist of Colors message board and do that on the other side. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Alright, welcome back into the Hoist Colors podcast. Got a couple questions on the Hoist Colors message board. Dover Pirate has a couple. Number one, why was the pace so slow and so conservative in the second half against UCF? I mean, I thought in the first part of the second half, the pace was not slow and not very conservative. So I thought ECU did a good job of answering a lot of the Central Florida buckets. And there was a little bit of a lull in that maybe the 16 minute mark down to 12 minutes or so where UCF really started to hit some shots and then it almost felt like the closer they got the more tighter ECU played and I'm sure there was at least some instruction by the coaching staff to say hey let's milk some clock here let's take our time let's not rush anything take any bad shots force any turnovers etc. And so that's why you saw such a slow and conservative pace. But, you know, the problem in sports is momentum is a real thing. And it's not tangible to an extent. But once one team gets the momentum and starts to feel it, it, it's very tough to stop. And for whatever reason, ECU seemed to tighten up where UCF got the momentum. And I thought that ECU played much more conservatively and timid as a result. I mean, there were a couple possessions in a row. I can't remember if this was the end of regulation or an overtime where it just seemed like guys weren't even looking for their shot. It was more, hey, I'm just looking to pass. The only guy who was really looking to create was Tristan Newton. And that that was disappointing. Of course, it hurt to have Brandon Suggs out of the game at that time. But with Vance Jackson being essentially a non-factor in this basketball game, you really only had one consistent proven scoring threat on the floor in Tristan Newton now Alonzo Frank did come up with a big couple of big buckets down the stretch but it still wasn't enough and those were almost with the shot clock winding down kind of desperation shots in a couple of cases and you know you just have to continue to run your offense at least to an extent you know really good teams in those situations know exactly how to approach it in terms of they not only a run clock but they also get enough buckets at the end of those clock Uh, milking possessions to where they continue to either a add to their lead or keep enough of a distance in between themselves and the opponents and ECU just hasn't reached that point yet they're just not good enough right now as a team uh, to continue to run clock in half court settings and score at the end of those possessions so still a lot for this team to learn and you know credit UCF again for making the plays and unfortunately for ECU they just made too many mistakes and probably were a little too conservative so something for the coaching staff and the players to learn like coach Julius said after the game you know we got to coach him better in those situations so they know how to handle it going forward so we'll see what the adjustment is next time they're in that situation number two from dover pirate he says is there a player that has not gotten a lot of minutes that you would like to see in action really all the freshmen um would like to see more of Marlon Lesson, but I, I I know that he got in late in the preseason and there was just a lot of things for him to learn quickly. And I think that the, the you know, the brief times we have seen him, I think he's gonna be a really solid player in time. Good hustle, good energy, just kinda of has to learn what he's doing. Uh, the other two guys, Tay Mosher and Alexis Reyes, they're just kinda of buried on the depth chart right now. I mean you have fourteen scholarship players 13 obviously with tabs out and you know you're just not going to have more than a seven eight man rotation consistently potentially up to nine at times but it's just not enough room to play a 13 man rotation so this is essentially a learning year for many of the freshmen outside of rj felton and you know for mosher and reyes really their game is three-point shooting and for ecu the the problem this year for the first time ever in the joe duly era has not been three-point shooting so you don't really want to put a couple more shooters on the floor and take away from the defense and take away from the rebounding. And that's something that Mosher and Reyes have to work on is just getting stronger, continuing to learn the defense. The college, you know, Going to college, if you can shoot, you can shoot. That's one thing. But then learning to play defense, learning the physicality of the game, that's typically the toughest leap for many of those players. And so I don't think it's a bad thing that they're each learning and sitting. I did expect Reyes to maybe play more of a role this year. But with J.J. Miles coming back, um, being a a bigger guard just like Reyes, it kind of just makes it tough for him to see the floor. And I think next year, once Miles, once Jackson move on, if Reyes and Mosher come back, I think they'll have more of a chance to see the court. But both of them can shoot it. I think it's just more or less they they have to continue to learn and uh, continue to get stronger. But um, I've seen some good things from those guys in practice, and I think they can contribute in time. So those will be the two guys, Reyes and Mosher, that I would like to see more of, but I get why they're not. Um, and so I understand it all the way around. All right, Pirate100, he simply asks, why, in all caps, with a question mark. Because of the Indian burial ground, man. ECU basketball, forever cursed due to, due to the Indian burial ground underneath Minji's Coliseum. Everybody knows. Everybody that's a true OG knows that story. So, um, So, yeah. It's the only thing possible to explain just the continuous disappointment, uh, losing, uh, and it's just it's just worn on the fan base. So this is a tough one, man. I asked on the on the Hoisted Colors message board earlier today. Just when's the last time ECU basketball had a depressing loss as this? In terms of the fan base, really into it, you're playing well everybody's kind of behind the team and then it just collapses and it's been a long time man the good news is people care about basketball and i think the last few years have proven that when the team has been even decent there's been a good energy inside Minji's coliseum but last night for the first half was one of the better more energetic times i've seen Minji's coliseum and time for like a tuesday night game against ucf i mean it was uh it was fun if i mean if you get to the point where you're above average ball club every night is going to be like that and it would just be an absolute ball but you know you, you got to find a way to win those games for the, for the reasons we've talked about on this podcast but yeah very disappointing for sure all right pirate marv a uh, big basketball fan he says how are javon small's minutes determined is it predetermined beforehand or is it determined based upon the flow of the game i don't think joe dooley is the type to predetermine any minutes i think it's more about flow of the game, especially in conference play, like in non-conference, maybe you slide out, hey, we're going to get player X 10 minutes tonight to try to get his feet wet against Canisius or something like that, but now that you're in conference play, I mean, you're trying to win all these games, you're not predetermining any minutes, uh, maybe you have like a, a minute limit on a player who's still working his way back from injury or working his way back into shape. But as far as a freshman playing, I don't think Joe Dooley's like, We're gonna get Javon Small seven minutes tonight. I think it's more just on the flow of the game. Last night, you know, just kind of the the way UCF was playing defense and obviously Brandon Suggs' injury, I think kind of Catapulted him into a little bit more playing time, and I think Javon's looked good, man. I think he, you know, he hasn't obviously like a world beat or anything like that. He, he isn't coming in scoring 15 points a game, but he just looks pretty composed out there for a freshman. Uh, I think he's only had maybe one or two turnovers in the last few games. He, he's hit a couple of big shots uh, when when ECU has needed him to. So. I give Javon small credit. He's kind of come out of nowhere to play some pretty big minutes with JJ Miles out, and now with Suggs going out, he might have to play some even more big minutes uh, this Saturday at Houston. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a uh, going to be an interesting scenario to see how his minutes play out. But I, I remember hearing in the preseason from pretty much everybody involved with the program that out of this freshman class, along with RJ Felton who is described as more of an athletic freak. It was like Javon Small is just the guy who gets it. You know, he's going to be the, the smart, heady basketball player who ends up being a multiple-year starter, you know, probably develops a few years, but then by the end of his career, if he stays, has a chance to kind of grow into that guy who can really run the offense efficiently, you know, score enough to be a solid point guard, but be more of a distributor, strong on-the-ball defender. So I think Javon Small has got a very bright future. I think him and RJ, RJ are going to be kind of the basis of this class and then we'll see obviously how uh some of these other freshmen pan out less than etc all right pat 72 jg he wants a brandon suggs injury update yeah just at this time i don't have anything on that pats um wish i did you know we're sitting here on wednesday early wednesday afternoon and i don't have anything as far as the exact injury right now uh just know that it didn't look good I'd be surprised if he plays Saturday based on how he left the court, but you never know. I mean, um, we're just hoping for the best because I think it would be a significant loss. I mean, Brandon Suggs does so many things for the basketball team. I know there have been times his turnovers can frustrate fans, but he he contributes a lot offensively, rebounding, just kind of a glue guy for the reasons we've talked about. And so hopefully if he's out this weekend – or if he's out for any amount of time, it's not too long because he's he's kind of a glue guy. If you lose him and JJ, you know you lose one of your three point perimeter threats in JJ, and then you lose one of your best all around guys in Suggs, and and you lose two guys who are six 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 seven on the perimeter, uh, and you're probably replacing them more with Tremont Robinson, and Javon Small, who are more six one six two. So you're losing a lot of length there as well. So hopefully Brandon does not miss too much time, but we'll know more heading into Saturday it looks like actually the team will have to leave for Houston on Thursday due to the snowstorms in the area so going to be a long road trip as they fly commercial uh, this week from um, from North Carolina to Houston and that brings us into our next segment to wrap up the podcast a look at the Houston Cougars and man it's going to be an absolute challenge this weekend in Texas the Cougars are once again one of the nation's best teams under Kelvin Sampson. Uh, they are just—they're just a menace in terms of having to deal with on the defensive end and on the glass. They're 16 and two overall. They are 10 and 0 at home. They've won eight games in a row. Uh, three, and, three and one neutral site. Three and one away record. Five and zero in conference play, and I believe they have won 34 consecutive games at home. And so they play extremely well at home. You know they're going to be motivated from the standpoint of they lost to East Carolina last year in Menji's Coliseum. This will be their first time playing ECU since that game, uh, which was one of the best wins in ECU basketball history as Houston was ranked in the top five at the time. But this is going to be a tall order. ESPN2, national broadcast, 6 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. And if ECU would have found a way to win the Central Florida game. There would actually be a lot at stake here, a lot of momentum. Um, But either way, a chance for ECU to bounce back and make a statement if they can find a way to play well. But it's just going to be a tall order. Uh, Houston is one of America's best teams. There's no doubt about that. They have excellent three-point shooting. Uh, Typically, they have great guard play. They've got several bigs inside namely josh carlton who ecu really recruited hard his recruitment came down to wake force ecu and houston as he transferred from uconn and there was a lot of talk that he was going to come back home wanted to play closer to home and it seemed like he was destined for east carolina as he grad transferred from uconn until uh, houston got in the mix and ended up pulling him and he's actually turned in a very good year the Cougars 11.7 points per game 5.7 rebounds per game and they've started to the play through him because they lost one of their best perimeter players in Marcus Sasser probably their best all-around guard best all-around scorer he's out for the year they also lost Tremon Mark another talented player for the year and so they've had their injury issues and they've still managed to have a, a tremendous season uh Kyler Edwards a transfer from Texas Tech really good shooter uh, shooting 37% beyond the arc, 13.8 a game. Fabian White, a rebounding machine in the paint. He's averaging 5.7 boards per game, 11.2 points. He just kind of crashes the glass. Also can shoot pretty well from the field. Uh, and Jamal Shedd is another guard averaging 8.8 points per game. looks like he was actually going to miss some time with an ankle injury. And Kelvin Sampson was actually quoted as saying he would miss at least this week against South Florida and and then against ECU. And it turns out he showed up and he played 20 minutes against the Bulls. So uh, apparently he's got some super human healing power. But uh, the thing about Houston is, man, they are – there's nothing really that sexy about them. They're just tough as nails. They out-rebound their opponents essentially every game. They don't make mistakes. They shoot – very well from the field 35% from three-point range 47% from the field 66% from the line uh Kelvin Sampson's an elite coach they're just really good and they don't beat themselves they can score on the wing and the paint on the perimeter and they just give you a lot of problems because they don't beat themselves and they're really good at home so you know the interesting thing about them is they're not you know, this isn't as good as last year's team by far, I don't think, and they're not as good as the Houston team a couple of years ago um, that had just some outstanding players. But they're still the the class of the American Athletic Conference, and they'll be ready to go this Saturday. There's no doubt about that. You worry about ECU getting up for this game, given what happened Tuesday. As we touched on earlier, I think it's important you at least get an extra day to recover uh, from Tuesday's mishap. But going on the road, traveling for multiple days across the country, this is not going to be an easy matchup at all for the Pirates. So um, it'll be, you know, it'll say a lot. I think Houston will be a double digit favorite pretty easily. But it'll say a lot if ECU is able to bounce back and find a way to contend in this game. Um, I don't think anybody in their right mind would expect ECU to win this game, all things considered. But if they go on the road to Houston and show a lot of fight and toughness, that's going to say a lot about this team after what could be, honestly, a, a season derailing type loss when you lose in that type of fashion uh, like they did on Tuesday. So uh, looking forward to seeing how they bounce back. And then, of course, you got to go on the road to Memphis a few days later before returning to face Cincinnati. So this is a tough stretch, man. It really is. You're you're playing some of the tough teams in the league in January, I mean the the American Conference did not do ECU any favors. Uh, it just they really kind of stacked the deck versus ECU, where you, you kind of get more of your manageable games on the back half of the schedule. You got Cincinnati and Temple coming up at home, which at least are manageable games. And then you go to Tulane, you go to Tulsa, you get SMU at home, which is important because they're very good. Um, team in dallas but on the road they struggle some and then you get at south florida at ucf versus south florida versus tulsa i mean that's a manageable stretch again not easy ecu is still going to be an underdog in a lot of these games but a lot more manageable than having to play memphis houston central florida cincinnati memphis all in a row i mean this is a this is a tough stretch so um tough one to get away on tuesday disappointing Still trying to figure out how exactly ECU gave that one away. But, hey, that's sports. Um, That's what makes it tough sometimes. But we'll see how they respond on Saturday. Again, thank you guys for tuning in to the Hoist Scholars Podcast. Always enjoy talking some hoops. We'll be back to talk some recruiting potentially on the football side. And then also uh, we'll talk next week at some point. About the uh, the basketball road trip at Houston at Memphis, I think they play Memphis on Thursday. So we'll have more info around that time to recap the road trip, to recap the latest, and then if the Pirates end up getting up a picking up a commitment from the transfer portal, we'll also break that one down in the coming days as they had a visitor on campus on Wednesday. All right, thank you guys for listening. This has been the Hoist the Colors podcast.